Hi there, skating fans. Welcome to another edition of the Skate Canada Alumni Podcast. In these days of multitasking, there's no better expert than today's guest on the alumni blog. Manon Perron has done it all. As a skater, local, national, and Olympic coach, team leader, mentor, and now as an advisor to Skate Canada's High Performance Program. Menon and alumni chair Debbie Wilkes caught up recently to talk about Menon's incredible career and her continuing dedication to skating in Canada. Manon, it is such a delight to speak with you as always. You have such an amazing energy about you. I remember from the very first time I met you, you were quite a green coach on the national scene. And that was the impression that stuck with me right away. Where did this originate? I know it's just part of your character, but you have tapped into it so beautifully. Uh, you know, thank you, Debbie, first, and uh, you know, bon, uh, it's all about passion. Uh, since I started my job long time ago, 40 years ago, uh, I had that passion to learn and to give it forward to the other and to maximize the potential of all my athletes. So in everything that I'm doing, it's all about passion and the love for the sport. And you started as uh, a very young skater, too, I guess, just like the rest of us. Tell us, walk us through the very beginning of your uh, developing love for skating. Uh, first, I come from Thetford Mines, which is a really small town. And in my town, uh, we had a, a coach, but just once a week, what which was like not really good for the development of the skater. So uh, early in my in my career, I said, you know, one day I'll become a coach. So all the people in my region will have the chance to have a coach five days a week instead of one day a week when the temperature was like okay. So it was <laughs> in my mind the beginning when I start coaching that I would give the opportunity of the athlete to develop develop properly in our small region. How old would you have been at this time? Like, how old were you when you started to skate? Uh, I was like 10 years old. Uh, so oh, so you were late. sort of a late, a late yeah. starter. Uh, yeah, a late starter because uh, at one point I saw like a, a show and I said, oh my God, it looks good, so I want to do that. And so I started and then there was like a coach from Montreal that was, that was coming to, uh, to Tetford Mines and uh, at that time the passion was already there and I was skating into like few clubs to get more hours and, um, you know, we didn't have the chance that the big city had, but I had like... A, a lot of friends skating and I enjoy and I loved it so around 16 years old I started to coach uh, not having the right like baggage to like go through the the the, the hard faces of uh, skating so uh, I learned a lot by doing uh, a lot of seminar and by learning from the top coach of the world 
would you say uh, on the coaching end of things, who would you say has been most important to you as perhaps a role model or someone who gave you great advice? Who would that be? Uh, I had many, and I was so fortunate to have many. Maybe they, they felt the passion that I had, and they said, okay, it's worth it, let's help her. But to give you a few names, uh, definitely Doug, Douglas Lee, Doug Lee. Uh, he's the first that really believed that I was uh, like uh, something, uh, a coach that can achieve things. And then after I had Frank Carroll that really helped me. And then I had Alexi Machine. But role model, uh, I had Richard Gauthier that was like, uh, I was looking to his career and how he was like doing things with his athlete. And he was going at the world scene at that when I started being a good friend of him. And the way he was doing the coaching in inspire me. And another friend that inspired me a lot was Benoit Lavoie. He was like a, a skater, and he became a judge, Olympic judge. And w- the, the friendship of Richard, uh, Benoit, and myself inspired me uh, the whole way through my career. It's interesting when you think about the three of you, you, Richard, and Benoit, you all have what I would say, and this just kind of occurs to me now, that same kind of optimism and energy that I think creates the the makings of a great coach or a, a great um a great influence to the sport of skating. What was it particularly about them that made them so important to you, apart from the fact that they believed in you? Uh, you know what was important about them? It was the way they were treating people around them. Uh, they, the way they were treating athletes, always respectful and always wanting to pass a message, but not just a message from skating, a message for life. Yeah, I know I've had many wonderful conversations with both Richard and Benoit, and I too have always been so impressed, not just with their technical knowledge about skating, but about their desire to create great citizens, I guess is the way to put it. And I think you've you've picked up that that same kind of you call it passion, but it's such a wonderful combination of so many things, Mano. Have there been Yeah, go ahead. Uh, around around like uh, along our career uh, there was like good time and rough time and always well, we were the three of us uh, during the good time and during the bad time especially uh, I remember few parts of my career that was like a bit harder and they were really supportive calling me going like you're going to go through this and it's going to be for the best and we were yeah. always like uh, when one was in a bad mood we were always like okay don't quit let's call each other let's motivate each other so uh, I have to say if it would not have been uh, having them in my life a few times I would have quit (laughs) I'm sure and isn't that what friendship is for to help you through the bad times and to share the good ones with you 
Yeah, I can certainly see that in Technicolor. Can you describe some of the best times? Uh, best time was always when we were in the competition together <laughs> because <laughs> yes. know, the stress of the competition was there. Uh, often Benoit was judging, Richard was coaching the pair, and I was coaching single. And I was always uh, also helping Richard coaching uh, pair at the end of my career, which was like really a big motivation because it, it was like a new, a new thing in my life. Uh, but definitely going through uh, a competition and being all there together was like really working hard during the day but like sharing at night uh, around a nice dinner uh, so it was like uh, uh, really motivating to have uh, uh, good friends and my family here my husband and both my daughter were really like supportive of my career so you know sometimes you have roadblock because of the family, but me, my life as a coach was really easy because my mom and dad were always there to take care of my kids when I was a win competition. My husband was really supportive, so my career with all those good people around me was uh, like quite amazing. Yeah, it sounds like you had the best possible team both at home and at the rink. And of course, I have to ask you, what were some of the hardest times? Uh, hardest time was like uh, when I had to like uh, finish my relationship with uh, Joanie uh, uh, just before uh, Olympic in Torino. Uh, so that was a hard part because you uh, you you go from Olympic the senior Grand Prix to all those big events and suddenly uh, for the sake of the relation and for the sake of the skater uh, you have to stop it and then from one day to the other it's finished no international competition no senior Grand Prix no final I had the chance to be with Richard so I was doing it anyway but it was not the same doing all those championships in pair was not the same as when you do it in single when it's you that is driving in pair I was assistant so that was a hard part uh, and when I made the decision it was really for the sake of my skater uh, because she had some lesson to learn and we had some disagreement over the way uh, she should have trained so it was one of the hardest part of my career I have to say and yet, look how it turned out. I mean, I know it. I know you had mentioned to me um, before about the difficulty of the split with Joe back in the days prior to 2010. Uh, and yet, um, are you um, are you able to look back? on that and realize what an important decision it was, obviously, particularly when you came back together again. Yeah, I knew, I knew at that time that I was doing the right thing. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes you have intuition and you think, uh, okay, so I need to do something to make her realize how talented she is and uh, that if she's continue training this way, she's not going to succeed. And I don't want to be the obstacle that 
for her not to be the world cha- a world champ- a world medalist and an Olympic medalist. So at that mm-hmm. time, I tried everything, tried to be nice, tried to be to be strong. Nothing was working. So I knew that I had to do something really big to make her realize uh, that uh, her talent was like really, really top top of the world. But she had to train properly. It's interesting, isn't it? Because these young people that we see perform either at a live event or via television or via YouTube, whatever it may be, they look to be so adult and so in control of their emotions. And and I think that's kind of, that makes us blind sometimes to how young they really are and the kinds of experiences they have not yet had, which then... Um, precludes them having any kind of wisdom about where they are. And I can tell from what you're saying that you didn't want your relationship, um, be it uh, the good parts or the bad parts, to become the thing that Joe was fighting against, right? Yeah. And, you know, Joanie is like a really clever woman and we can see now because she's a, she's a doctor now and yes. sometimes you have to guide them without like forcing them to understand so uh, she was like an amazing skater but at that moment she had like few lessons to learn and I think I did the right way to make her learn the, the good way and to continue on a champion path well, and as a coach, too, you have so many of the responsibilities of a parent. Um, very likely, once you have a competitive skater at that level, they're probably spending more time with you than they are with their own families. And yet, although you have all that responsibility, you have very few um, opportunities to exercise authority or to make decisions for that individual apart from the ones that are on the ice. Uh, you know, all those relationships that we're talking about, it's always, like, created by a good environment. Like, uh, with Joanie, okay, going through that part was really rough. But all those years, uh, Therese and Norma, mom and dad of Joanie, were mm-hmm. so supportive of coaches. Uh, whatever the decision was, they were supporting me. And on the other side, when they were making parent decision, I was supporting them. So it started there. I think if you want to have, I, I call that the triangle of uh, success. So you have the athlete, and sometimes they go through some phase that are, are really hard. But if parents and the team of coach uh, are working well together, but you, make, you can make a success. You can make them understand what they should do, uh, the way they should do it, and it's a teamwork, okay? The skating, all those champions, uh, okay, they are on television and they are like the star, but really all the part of their teams are a part of their success and a crucial part of their success. So, okay, uh, 10 years after Olympic in Vancouver, um, I don't think I would have succeeded without a team. And it's not just a small team, it's a huge team. And the parents of Joe were really a part of our team. 
Boy, it's um, that's a, a wonderful comment. I think I know parents are probably uh, some of the least understood um, players in this uh, whole bit of ambition that comes not just in skating, but I think in any kind of sport or, or art um, where achievement is so important. Can you talk about when you and Joe got back together again? Uh, yeah, we, we had like a discussion and I said to her that I want a meeting with her and the, the, my team coach and her parents because her parents were like, uh, like I said earlier, a part of the team. So we sat together. I explained why I did what I did and they understood. Joanne understood that I said, you know what? I couldn't let uh, that amount of talent go because uh, in my head it was not the right way to train for her. So I explained, mm-hmm. and we we put not on paper, but we 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 talked, and I said, okay, from now on, I want this, this, and this. And she said, okay, and I asked her from my part, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to act? Uh, and the parents talked too, and we came to an agreement, and. From that moment, okay, it was not always easy because, you know, going to the top of the world is never easy. It's a lot of sacrifice and good days and bad days. But since that meeting that we all had together, there was an agreement for life. Wow. Wow. Had you really uh, ever believed that your partnership with Joe would, would resume like that? Or had you really thought that that was the end of it? Uh, no. When we split, I thought it was forever. And mm-hmm. I remember calling Richard and Benoit in tears and telling them, uh, I think I did the right thing. It was the only thing that I could have done to make her realize the potential that she has. And I didn't want to be the one that, uh, made or not, not, not succeed, and that, and that at that moment, Richard said, she's going to come back. And I said, no, 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 never. Okay, in my mind, it was clear that it was like broken for life. But yes. I wished her all the best, and I, wanted, I really wanted her to succeed because from the, from the start, when she was like around 13, 14, I knew that she was special. I knew that she could have been top of the world, but at that moment she didn't like really believe in it. And uh, I think also uh, her mom and dad were not like sure. But uh, and I'm not the type who says, "Okay, you're going to be one day a world champion, Olympic." But I knew that she has something really special. Mm-hmm. And at the beginning, she was really not believing me in this. And during like uh, the years going by, after Junior World when she finished fifth, and after starting to go to Senior Grand Prix when I was comparing her talent with the others, uh, in my mind it was clear. In her mind it was not Yes, that's so often the case and probably one of the hardest details to the coach has to deal with, right? It's not so much teaching a jump as it is teaching a skater to believe in themselves. 
Yeah, and it's funny because last year with the, the Next Gen uh, camp, we had like uh, Caitlin Osman coming and talking to the skater, and I was like so shocked about she go she went through the same way as Joe did. Uh, she said, okay, Ravi was believing in me, and when he was saying to me that I could have been like a, a world medalist, Olympic, I didn't believe it. <laughs> and she said at one moment, when I started to believe it, it happened, and Joanie did the same. At one point, she was always like telling the media, oh, I want to perform my two program well, I want to do good, I want to be happy. After one, one, one world championship, I said, Joanie, uh, you should involve yourself a bit more. Okay, if you want to be a world medalist, but it starts by saying it. Yeah. And when you're going to say it, <laughs> you're going to believe in it. And the time that she went and she tell, told the media, uh, you know, I'm going for a world medal, by that, that year, she had the silver medal in Los Angeles at World Championship. Yes. Yes, you have to state your dream. It's true. Yes. So yes, true. Going, going with goals like I want to perform well, I want you don't involve yourself. And it was so funny when I heard Caitlin Osman saying the same thing. I said, are are they going all with the same path? But those two definitely yes. Yeah, truly amazing. When did Joe? Um, so that was Los Angeles. And then in terms of the lead-up to Vancouver, can you talk us through that? I mean, obviously it had its own complications, but leading up to Vancouver, what was that like? Uh, you know what? It was training, 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 improving, uh, making the right strategy because, okay, after Torino, she said to the whole world, I want to go back to another Olympic and I want to be medalist. So there was a lot of pressure on her, but there, there's a lot of pressure on the coach also. Yes. So uh, leading to Vancouver, I have to say it was a, like a lot of stressful moment. Because when you set the goal, by now uh, you have a few years to achieve it. So I have to say that she was training incredibly well. Doing whatever she had off ice, on ice, uh, to be a top athlete. Uh, she was training the run-throughs like hell. Uh, she was like uh, fit. She was like in a good state of mind, and sometimes she was like nervous about like uh, going to Olympic. But I have to say, I, I called her. A lot of people are asking me how was it before going to Vancouver, and what comes in my mind is she was trained like a machine. She was so good. Uh, in a week, uh, training boat program each day, doing three sessions uh, on ice per week, doing off ice each day. She was not missing a lot of things in that that whole week. She was like so good. Yeah. So going to Vancouver, I had like stress. She had stress, but at the same time, a lot of confidence that she was so ready. 
Well, she certainly looked it. She was so in shape. Her mind was in the right place. Um, she was there to do a job. That that yes. was my impression. And, and like I said, okay, uh, a lot of people were involved in that, like, readiness. Uh, she had, like, uh, 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 Wayne Alloway, the sports psychologist. Uh, it was the same of uh, Alexandre Bilodeau and few other really great athletes. And mm-hmm. I have to say, leading to Vancouver, he helped us a lot. And Skate Canada was really supportive also because they let Wayne come to competition with us. Uh, I, we had, like, two marvelous choreographers that were, like, inspiring, Joanie, like Shailen Bourne, Laurie Nichols. So, you know, all those people. Uh, but beside the fact that she was really, really ready, uh, she felt the support of amazing people, and it gave her the strength to perform whatever the circumstance were. Yeah, and it certainly was tough. Um, I know a a little bit of the behind the scenes, um, but when Joe discovered the terrible tragedy that her mom had passed away, um, I think that without you, my impression was none of the success that came out of Vancouver would have happened. Can you talk us through it? Uh, yeah, it's, it's still hard to talk about it because Terra is a friend. We used to go out and uh, like chat together. Uh, she was like not like my best friend, but one of the the teammate, and we had a really good relationship. Uh, talking about like her daughter, to talking about the the sport in general, and like I said, she was really supportive. Uh, so I knew how strong that lady was. So when the tragedy happened in Vancouver, uh, I just the the first thing that came into my mind was okay. She need she she used to have like a really strong lady. Her mom was strong, and they were achieving both of them their dreams. So from now on, because Therese is not there, I have to be the strength. Yeah. So I have to act with passion, but with like um, how can I say it? With a lot of strength in my decision that I will make. Mm-hmm. With a lot of confidence, because Joanie, okay, on that moment, she she's kind of losing her confidence because it's like such a like a, a tragedy. I such think. a blow. I have to be so strong that she relates on me, and she had to really feel that I'm controlling the situation. Yeah. How did you do that? Uh, I remember at the Welcome Center, okay, when the big news happened, we had a meeting there, and tons of people were there. So we divided the task at the Welcome Center. From now on, Wayne Alwell, you're in charge of, like, all the meals with Joanne. Me, I'm doing all the practice, um, all the office, the, 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 the bus like drive okay and then we were asking uh, okay uh, the, uh, the COC can her boyfriend come and be with her at night so we organize her whole life 
for her to perform well. And Mike was taking care of this, and Benoit was taking care Mike of this. Mike Julia yes. Aline, Mike Slipchuk, yeah. And Julia Halling and William, and so everybody like had a real role, and we did it perfectly. Yeah, Julia Lean, the team doctor, the skating team doctor. William Thompson, the CEO of Skate Canada at that time. I yep. know the... Um, Slipshot. Yes, Mike, yes. And Normand, the, the dad of Joanie was there. Benoit yes. was there. So we sat down uh, and we made, made a plan on how to go and like announce and how to go after to the hospital and how to go with practices, how to go with competition. But it's all, it was always, and it was like a, a all confirmed in that meeting during that night that we will follow what she wants. She wants to skate. We will all be there for her. She doesn't want to skate. We all go back home. Yeah. When was the decision made that she would skate? The morning, the morning of the announcement, uh, when we went to the village, she was sharing with uh, Tessa Virtue, and Tessa was going for a medal that, the same night. So uh, we all decided, what's the point at 2 a.m., 3 a.m., to go in the room and wake them up and go with that tragedy? Let's wait until Tessa had, like, a physio appointment at 6 a.m. in the morning. So we said... Okay, to like respect the other athlete that were sharing the was sharing the room with uh, Joanie. Let's wait until Tessa wakes up, and then we will all go and announce her the bad news. And after that, uh, she will want to go to the hospital definitely. So Julia Aline. Uh, had uh, Therese stay in the room for Joanie to see her. And yes. after we announced, we went to the hospital, and I was, like, sitting in the emergency room with uh, Wayne Allen, the sports psychologist, and she was with her dad and Julia Haline in the room with Therese. And I said, to, I said to Wayne, you know what, whatever her decision will be, I will respect it. Yes, mm -hmm. I think she can do it anyway because she's so trained, that we will just have to push the pilot automatic and her body will do the rest. <laughs> but if she decides that, okay, it's too much, I totally understand, and we're going to pack our stuff and go back to Montreal, and that's it. So after she saw her mom, uh, she, she came and she said, uh, I don't know what I'll do, and I, uh, we said, we will support you. And I had that. I had uh, to Joanie, and I said, you know what? Knowing your mom so well, she would say to you today, what do you have to lose? I'm not there, but let's pursue the dream that we had together and try to do it. And she said, you're definitely right. Good, good stuff. And it worked out quite well. <laughs> yeah, but you know, like when I was saying that there, there was like not just like a small team of people, when we saw that she wanted to, to uh, go for the competition, I asked the media to leave us alone, and they were amazing. We were I, I recall. The arena. Yes. 
and they were putting the camera down. They were filming sometimes really from far away, but we had no disturbance from the media. We didn't knew, we, we put ourselves in a bubble and tried not to be disturbed, just to manage to go through those two days. And the bad thing was like, uh, the, I think the, the short was the 23rd of February, and we had a day off. Uh, that was the hardest day ever. And then the long was the 25th of February. So we said, just try to manage to finish like the 25 and being giving the maximum. So the media, I have to say, were amazing with us. And I think there were probably a, a lot of rules that were uh, normally in place around an Olympic Games that got a little bit um, pushed to the side in order to accommodate such an unusual set of circumstances. And I I think that was great. The COC were demanding things, okay? Demanding things like, okay, boyfriend being with her at night, having like a special room to warm up, and uh, like a, a, a lot of little things that we ask. Uh, COC and Skate Canada were really on our side. They answer yes to everything that we were asking, and thank God we were in our own country because with all the demands that we had to perform and to make it happen, I don't think in another country it would have, have happened. Yeah, that's interesting, and that that was going to be my next question. Um, do you feel it was fortunate that we were in Canada and not uh, in some other part of the world when this tragedy struck? Because what makes us go through it with all the little detail that we were asking uh, made a huge difference. And thank God we were in Canada. And thank God the COC and Skate Canada were so open to what we needed at that time. Yes, yes, it was um, a huge success, Manon, and so much of that, not only from the team, but you specifically. You were the one with the close personal relationship to Joe, the one who knew what buttons to push, when to push them, and how to support her in her um, achieving her dream. It was um, certainly for me one of my all-time life uh, highlights being part of that team that year. Moving on from there, um, you still continued to coach for a while following 2010, um, but since then you've taken on this new role with Skate Canada as uh, an advisor to high performance. Tell us how that all came about. Okay, so after 2010, uh, I still uh, coach a bit, but not full-time. I gave my school to my colleague, and I was hired at that time uh, from the Quebec Federation as like a uh, like a elite elite uh, uh, coaches to help their development. So I did that like a, a mentorship. Yeah. Yes. 
And I was, I was in charge of development for Quebec. So I organized seminar. I organized like a day of activity for their skaters. So I did that for a few years. And then I was hired by Skate Canada uh, as a high performance advisor. So, you know, I stopped coaching, but at the same time, I was really related uh, all the time with coaches and skater, which I love. So high performance advisor is an amazing job uh, because I'm like doing mentorship with coaches and at the same time I have the relationship with the skater, the upcoming skater that are like going to next gen camp. I monitor them. We share. I'm working with uh, an amazing team. The high performance team is like about Deborah Armstrong. She's like a a perfect boss, a good CEO. She understands, even if she's not coming from our sport, she's so clever and she understands everything. And we have Shay Zukinski that is uh, now uh, working with us. He has, like, great vision. Uh, it's always fun to be around him. It's like a lot of motivation. And Mike Sipshot. He's an amazing high-performance director. And then uh, we have André Bourgeois that is taking care of NextGen. And we have Marie Bonus that is a high-performance advisor like me, but in dance. So yeah. we have a fantastic team, and we try to monitor all the skaters in Canada, uh, monitor them, give them advice, organize team, select teams for junior Grand Prix and senior international. So it's quite, uh, uh, it's not even a job, it's a pleasure to do that. Wow. It's um, uh, certainly capitalizing on all your best experience and best personality traits. I, I watch you with skaters and I, I see them um, almost feed off of your energy and to think if, if I put myself back in the skater's shoes, uh, just being around you and the rest of the high-performance team is, um, it's like I feed on, I would feed on your positive outlook, uh, your encouragement and your belief in those new skaters on the rise. And you know, I hope I hope the work that we're all doing together uh, makes them achieve their maximum potential. So we have meeting. We talked about the way we're doing things. How can we improve doing things? And we're all on the same page. And being with that high performance team is always like fun sharing and like developing new ideas to help the coaches, and to help, like, the skater. When you first started with this role, it, it, it kind of, um, it was really revolutionary, maybe is too strong a word, but um, something that, that was just being tried for the first time. Um, did you have some kind of idea about the imprint that you wanted to make on this new direction? You know, my goal and the high performance team goal is about the same. Uh, we want like coaches, parents, and athletes uh, to see that we're there for them. 
and we're ready to do whatever it takes to make them succeed at their maximum potential. And it's all about teamwork. It's all about uh, developing, developing and sharing new ideas. And we listen to them. We listen to uh, what they need, and we try to make it work. And what what does the future look like for Canadian skating? We're coming through such a transitional time, I think, um, technically for sure. Um, but what do you? What does it look like to you through your eyes? Uh, you know, it look it look good. Canadian, we're always uh, strong. And we have a path of development that is different. Now we see all the little Russian doing all those quads, and it's quite amazing. It's quite impressive. But if you look at the background of Canadian lady, we don't perform when we are 14. Because we go to school, we have a life. Uh, we have like other activity that are, are, we're doing at the same time as skating. So... Our, like, uh, maximum arrive around the 20s compared to the Russian that, well, okay, they achieved their maximum at 13, 14. So me, uh, I think Canadian skating is going well. We have amazing pair. If you look at Kristen and Michael, if you look at the junior world uh, level, uh, but we have amazing pair coach. We have amazing pair. We have great dancer. Uh, look at the school of Patrice and Marie-France. They make champion. And we have other school, okay, that are like fantastic too. So well, dance is going well. Paris is doing well. And uh, look at our men. We have like a little Steven Gugolev. We have Keegan Missing, we have Nam, we have Joseph Fan, we have Nicolas Nadeau, we have tons of great skaters, so uh, it's just a matter of supporting them and uh, going through all the phase of development, and I have to say our path as Canadian is not the same as Russian, but we're as good as them. I know, I I look at it too, and I, as you were describing that 13- and 14-year-olds, I thought, yes, they make their mark then, but do they, do they have any kind of long-lasting career? And uh, maybe it's different in Russia? Like, yeah, they have like tons of them that are doing quad, that are doing triple axel at 13, 14. But the question that we have to ask ourselves, will they last Yes. when they are really women? And in Canada, what we have, our senior lady, they, we, are, we have women skating. It's a mature yes. skating. It's not just about, like, the jump. It's about the packaging. Our Canadian lady, they can skate. They can jump, they can spin, and they skate in a mature way, which those little 13, 14 are not mature. It's, we cannot call that mature skating. So it's, okay, as good, but different. And it's quite amazing to see the, the little Russian doing all those quads. So it push us to improve, to do better. But at the same time, well, yes, they are good, but yes, we are good too. Yes. And the hip fairy hasn't come to them yet. <laughs> you know, once their bodies mature, um, it, it takes a whole different way. You almost have to relearn 
how to skate. I think for for women, once the body but matures. You know what, Look, we have our little girl, junior uh, lady champ, Kaya Ruthers. Mm -hmm. I had the chance this year because I'm doing a lot of team leading in Junior Grand Prix, Senior Grand Prix, and Senior B. And I had the chance to uh, share a lot with her because she was at the same competition as I was the team leader. And mm -hmm. she's such a fantastic, and she can be compared to those Russians. She's a fighter. She's doing triple-triple. No quad yet, but she can compete with them easily. So, yes. okay, by seeing all those little girls doing all those stuff, but I think it's pushing us Canadians to do better technically. And, you know, Kaya, she's going to competition. She's not impressed by all those Russians. She looks forward to it because it's quite impressive to see them. But she battles. She competes with them. And we have, like, some really strong skating in, in Canada. Well, I think motivation comes sometimes from unexpected places. And... Um, Often, it's not something a coach can teach a skater. It's something the skater has to experience themselves. And, you know, you, you are so famous at that, creating a situation where the skater learns the lesson without being taught by someone. It's something they discover themselves. Um, it's such a strange time in the country right now with uh, the pandemic, the world pandemic. Um, I had a very strange coincidence this morning. I have a, a Tim Hortons coffee shop very near me. I, I went to get a coffee this morning to take out, and who do I bump into? Tracy Wilson. <laughs> and... <laughs> So we were having a, a gab, you know, being um, two hockey stick distance apart. And I was asking her, I guess the cricket club is closed. And she, she brought up such an important point. Nobody can train. Who's training? From your position, um, how, how is high performance managing this obstacle? You know, it's uh, uh, nobody could have like uh, predicted what 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 is happening now, but I think uh, for well, it's fair for everybody. Everybody, well, all the ring uh, are closed, but I think it's time for athletes uh, to think about their career and to think about what would be the goal when they would have the chance to put their feet on the ice again. It's time for them to recap. Uh, what is missing in their ability and what they have to work on. And I think it's the best time to make a plan, a plan for the next month, a plan for the next six months, a plan for a year and a, a, a career plan. And they will really miss skating. So when they will be back on the ice, I think the motivation will be at the top. But it's a really good time. Uh, I was like giving, I was giving a, like a, a little uh, uh, note to Jose Bourdon, which is uh, uh, taking care of the mentorship. And I wrote down, look, athlete and coach, it's time 
to learn another language. It's time to go and see ballet online. It's time to learn about uh, the other, uh, the year 1940, who was our champion, what were they doing, <laughs> how they were training. It's time to learn about the past of our sport. It's time to learn. Educate yourself looking at well, all those like uh, videos of Russian, do, Russian doing the quad. It's time to go and learn how to be strong mentally. So there's tons of things that we can do beside the skating that will help our career as skater and as coaches. It's interesting because I think we all um, fall into this this pit of, um, I, will, I will call it thinking in the wrong sort of direction, that the more you skate, the more you're going to improve, the more lessons you're going to have, the more you're going to improve. And while that is, is generally a positive thing for athletes that are doing daily training, that are traveling the world competing, sometimes time off is the greatest privilege of all. And while you think that, yeah, but I, I'm, I'm not on the ice, so I can't work on that new move or that new jump. And yet, sometimes I used to find as a competitor that it was the time off that was most productive in my training. Yes, when I came back, I was rusty, but there was something else that happened. And there was more improvement that came from taking time off than I could ever achieve by more lessons or more ice time. What do you think? Yeah, I think completely the same as you because we all often hear like skaters saying, oh, I have no time to look at this. I have no time to do this. Now they have time. So it's up to them to surround them with a lot of educational stuff that will serve their skating career in a short amount of time. Uh, let's let's have an example. You know, sometimes they skate on a piece of music, and you 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 ask them, "But uh, have you listened to the movie? Do you know what it means? Do you know what you're skating on? Do you know why the costume is like this?" And most of the time, the coaches, choreographer knows, but they don't know. They just do the program and they just do whatever was told them to do. So now it's mm -hmm. time to search, to research about your music, about what it, you should express, about your costume, about everything, all the things that we never had time, and now they have time, so they, may, they better maximize, maximize everything to make it work when the skating, when the rink will open again. I think that's such great advice, Menno. And having that that time to reflect on things, to let your brain kind of run free, um, to research those those important elements that become part of your performance. It is it is a privilege and something that doesn't happen very often. Unfortunate that we're facing it in these kinds of conditions, but uh, I'm. I'm sure that we will all meet up again, as the Queen said yesterday. Um, and Mano, my only regret is that I don't get to work with you anymore. <laughs> 
you are it such like a, a yeah, it was a thrill to work with you because you said okay you said to the other uh, what we're bringing into the sport but look at what you have done we're so we're so lucky to have you in our life and to share with you all those li- beautiful memories well it's a sport that's been both difficult and wonderful and inspirational and frustrating, all of those things that make it so rich. And thank you so much for sharing your time and experience with us today. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you very much. Thanks, Manon. Thanks go out to Manon Perron, coach and mentor in her pursuit of skater development in Canada. With her energy and passion for the sport and for developing skater skills beyond the ice, her contributions to high performance are immeasurable. I'm Alex Kilby. Join us again next time for another edition of the Skate Canada Alumni Podcast. While you're here, if you haven't already done so, head on over to alumni.skatecanada.ca. On that page, you can see all the past episodes, including all of the notes that go along with each show. You can also see the blog posts that we post on a monthly basis, which is a newsletter with stories to tell from the alumni community. If you had any thoughts or if you had any memories that were rekindled by hearing the stories on today's episode, please feel free to share them by commenting on this episode. And you can do that through our online uh, webpage at alumni.skatecanada.ca. And if you don't want to miss any of the future episodes that come out, please subscribe. You can do that on the site or by searching for this podcast, the Skate Canada Alumni Podcast, on whichever podcasting platform you use on your mobile device. Thanks again for joining us this month, and we'll see you next time. (music) 